you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 1, we, where we left off last week. And I, you know, I did a little bit of a curveball last week in that I didn't start in Luke 2 with the birth of Jesus. We backed up last week and we saw the birth of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ. Um, Mary and Elizabeth were cousins and John was born six months before Jesus. And John was prophesied in the Old Testament. John came in the spirit and the power of Elijah as a forerunner, a preparer who was going to prepare the way for the Lord. He was there in the Jordan River baptizing people um, into faith and calling to repentance. John was a man's man. He wore um, camel hair and he ate locusts and he called people out for their sins. He called out the, um, the Pharisees on their sins and he didn't pull any punches and he didn't have a you know, feel-good church where he'd just come and tell you what you want to hear. He called out sin, and he called it like it was, and, and he was baptizing. And so um, we left off last week in verse number 26. We talked a little bit down, but let's pick up in verse number 26 this morning. And it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city. Of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Now we talked about the virgin birth of Jesus was something that God had prophesied 700 years before Christ was born and it was to be a sign. And we talked about on Friday night in the message that that that's supposed to impact us. You know, some of the things that are that are far removed from us, we lose the impact of them. You know, we weren't there. We didn't experience it, but we know those things are true. And so I asked that, you know, as you process these things, that you, you let that sink in a little bit, that Jesus was born of a virgin. And, and again, however you process um, Jesus and faith, you have to understand that that sets him apart from anybody else in human history. Born of a virgin. You know, I asked people to raise their hands if they knew anybody that was born from a virgin mother. And none of us knew anybody. I, we all should raise our hands if we know Jesus, because we know him alone. But Jesus was born of a virgin, prophesied and fulfilled in Mary. And it says in verse... Um, 28, and having come in, come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And this is where we left off, and I made this point last week, but let me just, um, by way of review, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, there's, there's a wonderful blessing in Ephesians chapter 1. You should read it. The first seven or eight verses, Ephesians 1. If you need something to encourage you, God says that you're accepted, you're beloved, you're forgiven, you're redeemed. You're adopted. You're, you're called into the house of God. And all these wonderful blessings that God speaks over your life. And then um, one of those in the, this long list of blessings for you is God says that you're accepted. That word accepted there in Ephesians 1.6 is only used two times in your Bible. Once is here in this verse, in verse number 26, where it says highly favored. So in Ephesians, God could say of you and me that we're highly favored. And I think that's so fabulous because Mary, again, Mary was... Um, she was blessed among women. We're going to read that. And that's the rightful place of Mary. And I think maybe Protestants and Catholics, we, we maybe both err on one side or the other. The Bible, you know, the Catholic Church has made um, um, Mary deity and a perpetual virgin, but the Bible doesn't teach that. And they've elevated her to the place of Christ. And that's a mistake. Mary was numbered with the disciples as they gathered, and she was a part of them. And, and when they brought um, the problem to Mary, she said, go to Jesus and, and, and do what he tells you to do. And, and maybe here in the Protestant you know, side of the house, we, we don't give Mary enough, enough honor. She was blessed among women. But we're not, she's not to receive prayer, and we're not to pray to her, and, and she, doesn't, she doesn't intercede on our behalf. She's 
um, blessed among women. She's the one that, of all human history that God chose to bring forth the Messiah. And she is blessed among women. But among women, but in the, in the other sense, she's she's a sister in Christ, and not um, not not someone that that should be deified or prayed to. Um, and so she's. But again, the point being that um, God speaks the same thing over your life. Have you read this verse that Mary is highly favored, and then thought, man, well, God thinks the same thing about me. Any of you guys think that? No. Does your wife think that about you? <laughs> You're. And so, you know, we find this all the way through the Bible. I read things and I'm like, man, that would be so cool. Like God says things of King David, King David, a man after my own heart. And I say, God, I want to be a man after your own heart. And then I read somewhere where God is pronouncing blessing. And he says of me that that I'm blessed in that way and that we can be encouraged. We read that all the way through Revelation as we study where we see that that God um, favors us and he he loves us and he cares for us in in the same way. In verse 29, it says, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, we're talking about Elizabeth, Do not be afraid, oh Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Joshua. Jesus, Yeshua. Um, Josh shared last night, that, or on Friday night, that, that this name Jesus is, you know, was a common name in his day. And, and yet the name of Jesus is such a powerful name, right? It's the only name given among men by which we what? Must be saved. You know, something about the name Jesus. And 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 his name would have been um, in the day, you know, the actual word Peter, Paul, these guys are would have said to him was Yeshua is the way we pronounce Yeshua HaMashiach, which means Jesus the Messiah. And, you know, any, anybody that's, that's Jewish when they when they describe, even they speak English, and they don't say the name Jesus, they say Yeshua. Our, our guides in Israel, um, our guide, we, we've been um, to Israel many times. We've only had one Messianic guide who was a believer in Jesus. And um, he'll pray and he speaks wonderful English, but he, he only uses the word Yeshua, um, speaking of Jesus. Philippians 2.9, I want you guys to be familiar with this passage, but it says in Philippians 2.9, you don't got to turn there, I'll just read it to you. It says, therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Everybody say every name. Jesus, the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in the earth and those on the earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. And then it says in verse 32, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? In, in your Bibles there, in the New King James, the word is translated can. It should actually be translated shall. Do you remember um, last week we saw uh, Zacharias? And his response to the angel was unbelief. And what happened to Zacharias? Do you remember? He was struck mute and deaf um, until the time that John would be born. And he had unbelief when the angel came to him. Now, if an angel comes to you, an angel is standing there and giving you a message, uh, do me a favor and just trust what the angel says. Unless it contradicts the Word of God. And if it contradicts the Word of God, then, you know, the Bible says that Satan can appear as an angel of light. But, but Zacharias is um, doubting and, and he's judged. And then you hear you read this from Mary and, and it sounds almost like 
um, Zacharias's response, and you think, why is she not being judged? Why, why does she get a pass? But, but it's very different what she says. And it's very different with the heart that she had. And she believed what the angel said. And she said, how, can, how shall these things be? She believed and she, she knew it was going to happen. But what she was asking is physically, how is this going to come to pass? Okay, I believe you. What's, gonna, what's the next thing that's going to happen? And so she believed. And it, and, and it says, and a very different response. How will this physically happen? Thirty-five. Thank you. Sorry. And the angel answered and said to her, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God." Good job. And indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for who was her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Thank you. I got one amen. Let me, let me try that again. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Amen. amen. Somebody give me a hallelujah while we're at it. Hallelujah. There we go. You can shout me down. For with God, nothing will be impossible. <laughs> What's impossible with God? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing shall be impossible with God. God can do all things and wants to do all things. Then in verse 38 says, And Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, I want to tell you, that was the heart of Mary. How shall these things come to pass? And then, you know what? I, I don't know how much she processed. How much do you think this young girl? Now, now Mary was betrothed. Did we explain what betrothed was in the Hebrew culture this day, right? That, that they were arranged marriages. And her, her marriage could have been arranged. And that was called the engagement. And the engagement period would begin from the time that she could have been two, three, four years old when her parents got together with Joseph's parents and they arranged this marriage. And then, and then when she became of age, um, after they received their period in that time, they would enter into um, an engagement period. So between 14 and 17 years old would be a, a time when, when, they would, when they would start to marry, the, have, the, have the weddings and have the marriages. And, and the engagement period or the betrothal period would last about a year. And during that time would be like what our engagement period would be. They're now married. And we talked about it in the Hebrew culture. If a husband died um, while they were betrothed, before they consummated the marriage, before the wedding ceremony, that she could be a widow who was a virgin. And so she's betrothed. And do you think this young girl, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, Mary, whatever age she was at this point, she began to process the process that she was going to conceive um, and be pregnant as a virgin, as she's betrothed to a man, and what were people going to say? And how, how was this going to look? And what was going to be the gossip? And what kind of trouble was this going to cause? And what would Joseph do when he found out she was pregnant? And all of the things that, the drama that was going to go with it. Did she process it in that moment? Or did she, did she count the cost? And then did she say through that heart, Lord, let it be to me as you have spoken. And you know what? That needs to be our heart. God, let it be to me. Let that be our prayer this morning. Let it be to me according to your word. Do you have that heart this morning? Are you willing to do what God wants in your life? You know, we talked about, and I think one of the things that's a huge, important strength for us as Christ followers is to have a heart that can say and mean it, Lord, I want all that you have for me. That's something that my pastor, as a young Bible college student, 
fairly green in the Lord and, 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 and you know, not being saved that long and growing and just madly in love with Jesus, but, but, but learning. And he would constantly share with me, just continue and keep in your ministry and in your life and in your heart all the way through, God, I want all that you have for me. And you know what? That's the reality. Some of you think, well, what are you talking about? What do you mean all that you have? Well, if we're being honest, sometimes we, we, we compartmentalize what part of our lives we want God to be a part of. And there's certain things that, that we don't want to give to God, or we're afraid that if we surrender um, everything to God, that He's going to do something strange in our life, or He's going to make us go, you know, I always say go to Africa and, you know, live in a hut and be a missionary and work with children, and, and our God's going to do something crazy if I give Him everything. And so we hold back. You know, I often use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Bible describes that God has gifts to give you, prophesying and doing ministry and teaching and um, sharing and um, generosity and hospitality and praying in tongues and, and, and these gifts. And people are afraid sometimes of the manifestations of these gifts. And they say, you know, I don't want that part. That stuff is weird to me. Listen, nothing, nothing that God has for you is weird. And, and just have a heart. And I'm not asking you to, to exercise all the gifts of the Holy Spirit and be out on the street corners preaching and prophesying over people and speaking in tongues. But I'm asking you that to have a heart that, that says to God, yes, I want all that you have for me. God, I'm open. Let it be to me according to your word, Lord. Let's say that together. Let it be to me according to your word. One more time. Let it be to me according to your word. Do you guys know when Jesus said to Peter, do you love me three times? Why did, why did Jesus keep asking Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, and, and Peter, Peter answered. How did Peter answer? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But, but unless you, you get the Greek, that's one place where you do need the Greek to follow that progression of what's happening there. Because what, what, what Jesus is saying to Peter, he's saying, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I eros you. And then, and then Jesus said, Peter, do you agape me? Agape being the highest, purest form of pure love. And Peter, in his sincerity, answered, he said, Lord, you know that I, that I phileo you which is a lower type of love, a Philadelphia love. And so Peter uses these different terms for love to answer um, back to Jesus because in his heart, he, he's being honest and he knows that there's some struggle in his relationship with Christ. And he can't say to Jesus fully, Lord, I agape you. He knows he wouldn't be telling the truth. Lord, Lord, I give you all. I surrender all. And Peter, with his own struggles, is just being honest. And, and so there's a reality, right, to face that reality. Do you want all that God has for you? Or is that possibility, like Peter, that, that, that you can't openly say and honestly say, God, Jesus, I want all that you have for me. Jesus, I agape you. I, I surrender all to you. And, you know, let's be honest, we just hold back. We hold back in our walks, sometimes socially. Maybe in the social circles that we walk in and we live in, Jesus is not um, cool. And Jesus you know, isolates us. And people will think, oh, you know, you, well, you, you, they'll start judging us or they'll, 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 we won't be able to do what we want in front of other people if they know that we're claiming or we're, we're proclaiming to be Christians and Christ followers. Oh, you're a Christian, aren't you? You shouldn't be doing that or having that. Or, and so we hold back. If that's the case, if those are the social circles you're in, I've got some advice for you. <laughs> Find some different social circles. Find people that love Jesus. And live your life unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You know, I'll tell you, there's a dynamic that happens in life. And, and, and let's put it in that, that construct of those social circles where maybe you're the only believer. And, and if you stay in your faith and you do the things and, and, you know, whatever it is, you just tell the truth. No, I don't do that because I'm a Christ follower because I love Jesus. And, and then, and then they, they may make fun of you or they may, you know, not invite you or do these things. And, and that's hard. But listen, stand firm in your faith. Because I'll tell you what's going to happen. One day, you're going to get a call from those people who were shaming you or, you know, tried to make you feel embarrassed or called you a goody-two-shoes. And this is what they're going to say to you. Hey, you know, at the party when you wouldn't do this or you wouldn't do that and you lived your life for Christ, I was making fun of you, but at a distance I admired you. I wish I was like you, and now I'm going through something tough, and I need help. Can you help me? Will you pray for me? And I was looking up to you that whole time, but on the outside I was a coward, and I didn't say that. And now I'm in a position where I need some help. How did you do what you did? How did you come to know Christ? How did you get off drugs? How did you stop drinking? How did you, you know, love your family? How did you bring whatever those, those case may be? You stand firm for Christ in those situations, and one day you'll get a call that will pay that. Amen? Amen. And so, um, again, I want all that God has for me. Now, one last thing with this point, because it's such an important verse. It's such an important heart. That, that we can just glean so much from Mary right here as the angel is speaking to her and her response, let it be done to me according to your word. Now, the other thing I want to encourage us, and I think this is super, super important. And, and unfortunately, again, as a pastor, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest heartbreaks that I face. Um, you know, I've walked through, through life with people at church just like you guys, and, um, and, then, and then they go through something very difficult in their life, a, a death of a child. Um, a cancer, something difficult, and, and they develop an attitude that God has forsaken them or that God is mad at them or that, that God let them down. And, and it breaks my heart. And it breaks my heart. You know, so I, what I encourage us to do is to determine in your heart today that no matter what you face tomorrow, that you're going to walk with Jesus. You're going to trust Jesus. Let it be done to me according to your word. Mary said, God, what, what, what if they're going to make fun of me, if they're going to think that I'm a whore, if they're going to think that I've been sleeping around, let it be done to me according to your word because I know it's from you and I want to walk with you and I want all that you have for me. And, and, and listen, if you decide today that no matter what, you're going to trust Jesus, then your life is not burdened by the circumstances. And then when you go through difficult things in life, you have a, sustain, a sustainability in Christ that's based on truth and not emotion and not circumstance. Do not base your, your Christ walk. Listen, I'm bugging the heck out of you. <laughs> Do not base your Christ walk on your circumstances. God doesn't love you any less or any more. He can't. And God doesn't love you based on your circumstances. You win the lottery? God loves me, man. God is good. Your dog dies? You lose your lottery ticket? You can't cash it in? God hates you? God's mad at you? Listen, do good things happen to bad people? bad things happen to good people? I heard a pastor say, well, the reason is because there are no good people. We're all sinners. But, you know what? Just be prepared and have a heart now. And then the other, the other thing, like I told you guys, that's one of the greatest heartbreaks that I've gone through. I've watched people let their faith fold because of hard circumstances. And my heart breaks for them. You know, and you can't tell them the truth. It's hard in that situation. You've got to try to love them. But the truth is, is that you, you, you just, you haven't placed your faith fully in Christ. You haven't trusted him for everything. And on the other side of that, some of the greatest joys of being a pastor is seeing, you know, Lydia's mom. 
she got the news that she had pancreatic cancer. And the first words out of her mouth, I want to be a good witness through this process. I want to love Jesus. I want to love Jesus. And then what did, what did they do through that? They said, no matter when, they have this saying, and Daryl wrote it in his Bible, and they wrote it in the sand, no matter when, no matter where, no matter how, no matter why, I will follow Jesus. And so you decide that. You determine that in your heart today. Put that in your heart today, that no matter what tomorrow brings, you're going to follow Jesus. And listen, God will never leave you nor forsake you. He won't disappoint you. And no matter what you go through, you know, you know I, I shared something with my family about a week ago when, when we got the news that my Aunt Sharon was, was uh, a terminal. Uh, she had been battling cancer for about two years, and uh, we got the news that there were doctors who were no longer going to do anything. She was fading fast, and that she was terminal. And, and, and I said, you know, uh, it was a sermon I heard from, from a pastor, and it's so good. And I said, listen, Aunt Sharon, I said, listen, she's either going to live or she's going to live. She's either going to have victory or she's going to have victory. She's either going to win or she's going to win. But either way, we win if you know Jesus. You know, and there's victory in it. There's victory in it. And so having that attitude that no matter what, no matter when, no matter why, I'm going to follow Jesus. Amen? And then it says in verse number 39, And now Mary arose in the days and went to the hill country with haste. Now, I just want you to underline the word haste because you're going to find that in obedience to Jesus, that there's, there's a promptness in, in following the Lord and doing the will of God to the city of Judah. And he entered the house of Zacharias and, and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, at six months old, not six months old out of the womb, six months in the womb, John the Baptist knew Jesus. Can you tell me that, that a baby in the womb doesn't have a life? Here's a, a baby in the womb six months, and he already knows Jesus, and he's leaping when he hears the voice of Jesus' mom. And so uh, John leaps in, in, in Elizabeth's womb when, when he, she, he hears the voice of Mary. And then in verse 42, Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of, of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Everybody say, for joy. joy. Blessed is she, or he, who believes or believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And then in verse 46, we have the song of Mary, and she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. You know what's fascinating is that... Um, Jewish um, girls didn't go to school. They weren't educated. They, didn't, they weren't taught necessarily how to read and write and, and do formal education. It's very possible that Mary didn't know how to read, and, and yet she was raised in a very godly home. I don't know how to verify this, but I heard, and so don't quote this, but um, the tradition tells, I'll just say it that way, tradition says, and there's a church in, in Bethlehem, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a church of, um, of, of the parents represents Mary's parents. And it's, and it's a place of worship because tradition tells us that Mary grew up in a home where her parents were very godly. And that, and that worship, and, and, and particularly worship music, was always being played in the house and, and being used. And that Mary grew up in a place where it was worship all the time. Worship music. And, and that she was a very godly. She's going to quote um, 15 Old Testament verses in her song verbatim from memory. 
She's not opening the scrolls and reading the Old Testament and finding verses that she likes and writing them down. She just, from her heart, spontaneously begins to worship God. And in this worship song that the Holy Spirit records um, through, through Luke, the writer here, um, 15 different Bible verses are quoted. You know, there's something, again, there's something about music. And I want to be careful. I'm not like um, Waterboy's mom. You know, it's not the devil! The devil! Everything's the devil! You know, like, you know, but... But honestly, I'm not devilizing secular music, but I want to tell you, there's definitely, and some, some secular music I can devilize, right? Like, you know, when I, when I was growing up, I went to this church service. I wasn't even a Christian. I, I went to with some friends or something, and it was this big seminar on um, um, demonic messages and the music, and it was eye-opening for me, and they showed all this symbolism, demonic symbolism, and concerts, and this video, this big presentation, two-hour presentation on, on the demonic, and, you know, the things when you played the records backwards, and they, they would do that. They would show the things and they'd play the records backwards and there'd be some demonic message masked and um, the different symbolism. One of the symbolisms in um, demonic worship is they do a thing where they, 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 they go to the, the north and the south, south, west, and the east, and they do a little bow thing. And it's done in, in, in um, pagan ceremonies. You can see the pagans do it. They practice it. And then they'd show, they'd show a secular band and they would be playing and and the, the lead singer or somebody in the band would start doing this thing, you know, that was, it was occultic. And so I can remember watching that and, and, and learning that as a non-believer, you know, just some, I don't know if, I don't even know why I was in church that day, but I somehow ended up in that church and went to that thing. And, and, but, you know, nowadays you don't have to play the music in backwards anymore. You don't have to find some hidden pagan Jewistic um, ceremony that, 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 that they're mimicking in the concert. Nowadays it's blatant. It's right out in front of you. So, so for sure, you know, that, that stuff as, as Christ followers, we shouldn't be a part of that. We shouldn't promote those things. We shouldn't, you know, the Bible says, um, you know, what you put in is what comes out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so those things that you fill your heart with, you fill your life with, you know, and some people use the excuse the movies that we watch, the things that we watch. And again, I'm not demonizing what you watch. That's between you and the Lord. But um, just a little, you know, dose of wisdom is, is don't think that, that, that those things are not affecting your life. You know, you don't, what, is this, what does an ad cost at the, during the Super Bowl? What does a 30-second minute ad cost? Do you think those companies invest millions and millions of dollars because it doesn't affect you? It does affect you, and it's proven. And so the things that you watch, the things that you put in your heart, they affect you. Caleb, uh, Caleb and I, we went with Greg and, um, and Cody Rogers camping this summer. Um, at one of the off-road events that Craig does. And um, and it was, I don't know, it was, it was a morning, Saturday morning, and um, we get up in the morning, and, and Greg is making breakfast, and Cody and Caleb and I are there, and I got my little speaker out there, and I got my phone out, and I'm just playing some songs for me and the boys. And it was kind of like a mix. I don't know, it was like, I don't even can't even think of some of the songs we were playing, but it was on Pandora or something, and I was kind of flipping around, and was listening to some, I don't know, Counting Crows around here, and then I, I'd play a couple Christian songs, and then we'd play like a fun song we liked, and and I, I turned it off at the end of it. It was about a half hour of making breakfast, and I had the radio playing the whole time, flipping around, and, and it was kind of a mix of secular and Christian songs, and, and, and I talked to the boys. I said, you know, I said, did you guys notice? I said, as I'm sitting here this morning, it's early, you know, it, it's just a beautiful morning, crisp, I can smell breakfast cooking. When, when the worship music was playing, my soul just felt lifted. I felt good, and I was like, in my heart, I was praising the Lord. And then, you know, I, I wish I could think of a title of a you know, a general song we all know, but then some regular songs 
would all come on, you know, that we could all sing to. And we all knew. It wasn't necessarily a terrible song, but it was just a completely different feel. And the boys are like, yeah, when we noticed that too. Like, it just, it makes you feel different. It, it makes, it changes your perspective and what you're thinking about in the moment. And if some really good worship song comes on, and um, it, it does make a difference. Amen? If I made my point, I can move on. <laughs> if I haven't kicked it to death. All right, I told you I could get you out early today, so that means a few more minutes. Um, let's do this. Let's jump to, um, I want to catch the, the birth of Jesus this morning. Let's skip to chapter 1, verse 80. And it says, So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation of, to Israel. So that's speaking of John the Baptist. So that's, we get Mary's song, we get Zacharias's song, and then uh, we get the naming of John, um, the circumcision of John, and then um, verse 80 is the ministry of John. Now, I just want to remind you that John was a, a forerunner of Christ. He was the one that was telling people that Messiah was coming. For thousands of years in Israel, there was an anticipation that God was going to come, that, 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 that a virgin would conceive hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about a Messiah. They were expecting a Messiah that was going to come and save Israel. Now what the Jews, and as we know, right, as we study the Gospels, the disciples from the Old Testament believed that when Messiah came, that he would rule and reign, that he would overthrow the Roman government. And it says all the way through the Gospels that the disciples were confused. They kept thinking that, okay, is now the time? Is now the time? Even John the Baptist. Remember when John was in prison? He sent word to Jesus. And what did John say? Remember that? He said, are you the one or, or should we look for another? Now, John knew. He knew without a shadow of doubt Jesus is the one. But what he was saying is, Jesus, when are you going to overthrow the Roman government? We read the Old Testament. We see that you're going to rule and reign. And, and, and the disciples were kind of under the same misconception. And the problem is, in the Old Testament, we have the prophecies of Jesus' first coming and his second coming. In his first coming, he was coming as a lamb that would be slain, that would die on a cross. In his second coming, he's coming as a reigning king who's going to rule and reign and conquer. And they couldn't separate. And not, not only couldn't they not separate the two prophecies, they ignored all the, the suffering prophecies and focused on the ruling and reigning prophecies. And so they expected Jesus to rule and reign. But, but, but John's ministry was to prepare them that for thousands of years as they waited for this anticipated Messiah, that he was here. He was a forerunner to prepare the way. Um, John chapter 1 has a really cool little um, description of John the Baptist. And it says in verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. And so he came to bear witness of the light that through him all might believe. Through Jesus all would believe. He was not that light. John wasn't the light, but was sent to bear witness of Jesus, of that light. That, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Now, I just highlight that to remind you and I that we have, again, the ministry of John. John the Baptist was called to prepare people for the first coming of Christ. What are you and I called to do? Prepare people for the second coming of Jesus. Not to be afraid to tell people Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming again. We're not predicting times, dates, or seasons, but Jesus is coming. You know, we have our personal opinions. My personal opinion is that Jesus is coming very soon. And whether he's coming very soon or, or he, he, he delays his coming, he tarries for a longer time, he's still coming. And it's our job to prepare them. Noah, who built the ark, 
Lydia and I just made reservations to go to Noah's Ark in August in Kentucky. But Noah, he's known in the Bible as a preacher of righteousness. He's like a John the Baptist type. He was like no, no frills guy. Like he told it like it was. He was a preacher of righteousness. He pastored a church. Did you guys know that Noah also pastored a church while he built the ark? And it says that he preached for how long? You guys remember? 120 years. You know, you know how big his, if, if, if I pastor this church for 120 years, hopefully it gets bigger than it is today and it keeps growing. You know how many people attended his church in 120 years? Not one. I guess the family that had to come, the eight that had to come. Yeah, the eight that got on the boat. But he continued to preach the gospel. And, and, and who, who, who was right at the end of the day? Was, was Noah some crazy fanatic? There's coming a flood, there's coming a flood, there's coming a flood. Or was Noah right? And people should have heeded the warning and listened. And so would you rather have been Noah who preached and, and nobody listened and nobody came and, and, and done your job to prepare the way or, or be those that didn't listen? And so don't ever feel like, oh, nobody's going to listen or I don't want to seem a fool. No, Jesus is coming. And Noah set an example. He preached it for 120 years, but eventually that day came. And there came a day when what happened? When the ark, the door of the ark, the Bible says, the hand of God closed it. And, and there's going to come a day. There's going to come a day when Christ is going to come for his church and the church is going to be raptured and that door is going to, is going to close for some. And, and we're, we're to prepare. We're to share the faith. And the, we're to share um, the love of Jesus. And again, it's the love of Jesus. We're not trying to scare anybody with those facts. Ultimately, we know, right, what we preach here from this pulpit is that as you share, as you preach the gospel, it's the love of Jesus that changes lives. So share the love of Jesus. Find a way to encourage people and tell them how much Jesus loves them, how much he cared for them, that he intimately um, knows them and died for them, and that he's coming again. Amen? All right, in verse, um, I'm just going to read some of this, you guys, and then we'll, we'll wrap up for the day. It says in chapter 2, it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augusta that all the world should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up to Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David. And so um, the, the prophecy said that Messiah would be born where? In Bethlehem. Now, now they're in um, Nazareth. They're where, where um, they're they're living at the time, and um, she's great with child. And this prophecy has to be fulfilled, and so God has a little bit of a problem here. And this this Caesar this this um, Caesar Augustus. I was going to say Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar was his father. Some of you know some of the movies out there about Rome in those days. They, they chronicle Julius Caesar often. Julius Caesar was contemporary with um, Marcus, um, Mark, Mark Anthony, who was the one who was in, with Cleopatra. And so, but Mark Anthony, I'm sorry, Julius Caesar had a nephew he adopted as a son. And that's this same guy that's here in our Bible, um, Caesar Augusta. And when he became the, the Caesar of Rome, he didn't want to be called dictator. He didn't want to be called king. And so the Senate termed um, Augusta, which means of the gods, because he was he was a narcissist and he believed that king wasn't lofty enough and dictator wasn't good enough for him. And so they called him Caesar of the gods, and he liked that. And he thought he ruled the world, and he did. And Rome, Rome conquered in the, the known world. There was the uh, Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, that was a forged peace 
but it was lasting, and, and, and it had lasted for, for many years. And so during this, he makes a decree that he wants to collect a tax. And he just says the word, it becomes law, and you have to follow it. But God is using him. He's a puppet, right? Ultimately, God is pulling the strings of providence because he needs to get um, Mary and Joseph back to Bethlehem before the baby's born. You know, how many of you um, mothers in here? we got probably lots of mothers in here. How many of you guys like in week number 39 want to get on a donkey and ride 90 miles? Anybody want to volunteer for that? How do you get a pregnant woman to get on a donkey and ride that far? You know, so God is God does this, you know, supernaturally as he gets them back to fulfill prophecies. And every prophecy, um, of course, was fulfilled. Jesus was to be born in, in Bethlehem. He would later, as a, as a toddler, when the wise men came back. Now, the wise men came um, not during this scene in our Bible. They actually come a couple years later because it says when the wise men come, Jesus is in a house. So Jesus was probably two years old. So in your nativity scenes in your house, if you have the wise men there in the manger, just take the wise men and move them across the living room on the other side because they don't come for like like two years. And, um, and, and so Jesus was... All right, I'm trying to... Supposed to be done. Sorry. Too many things going on in my head right now. I finished. All right, no, no squirrels. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, fled to Egypt, and he was, ra- he was raised in what city? Nazareth. That's right. Jesus was from Nazareth. And so he grew up there after he came back from Egypt. In verse 3 it says, So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the house of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. Let's do this. Let's have the worship team come on up. Um, they're going to close us in a song. And in verse 5 says, To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, I, I can make a point here. This would preach that there was no room for Jesus in the inn. And, you know, and I already talked about a little bit how we compartmentalize Jesus. But is there room for Jesus in your life? Is there room for Jesus in your end? Or do we push him out? And do we keep him out? And then it says in verse number 8, it says, Now therefore, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. What, what is the purpose of Jesus? Is it to, is it to be a, a judge? Is it to condemn people? No, the angel announced the birth of Jesus and it was for good tidings and great joy. It was to bring joy to life. And it was a good thing. It was a blessing. And it was for all people. Listen, Jesus is for all people. Jesus is for all people. Every kind, every creed of people. People all over the world. Jesus is for all people. The Bible says, whosoever believes in John 3.16, the whosoever's. And in verse 11 it says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Listen, God's will for you is peace.
God has a plan for you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's God's plan for you. It's not to send you to Africa to live in a hut and be a missionary, unless that's what God's already put in your heart. He has a plan for your future, to give you a future and a hope. You know, that verse is probably one of the most well-known um, verses in the Bible and promises of God, Jeremiah 29, 11. But, you know, that's not even my favorite verse in that chapter. That's such a good chapter. But in verse 13 of that same chapter, he says, And you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I love that verse. I love that reminder. I preached it, I shared it on Friday night in my own testimony. That I tried to seek the Lord with a half heart in Awana in junior high. And I sought the Lord again with a real heart at 20 years old to get my life and my heart right with Jesus. And God honors those that seek with their whole heart. You ever talk to somebody and they say, oh, I prayed the prayer or I tried that and it didn't work? Well, that's, that's nonsense. Not on God's part. It didn't work because you didn't really do it. You didn't really try. You didn't give God your whole heart. If you're here this morning and God's been tugging on your heart and you want to give God your whole heart, I want to lead us in a prayer. I want to give you the opportunity to get your heart and your life right with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then after I pray, the worship team's going to lead us in a song. Dave will be up front. Josh and Amber will be up front. If anybody would like individual prayer, I invite you to come forward and receive individual prayer. Amen? Amen. Will you guys pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior, to forgive me of my sins, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus died on a cross and rose again the third day. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Merry Christmas.